Hey, welcome back to the Fuck Plan B podcast. I'm your host, Craig Alexander, in case you've forgotten already. Uh, today, we are talking to someone who has said and continues to say quite clearly, Fuck Plan B, the very inspiring, the very beautiful, the very very talented Miss Catherine Alcorn. She's one of Australia's leading cabaret and stage entertainers. And I'm going to quote the Australian Women's Weekly as magnificent, a young talent whose star is very much on the ascent. And I couldn't agree more. She's got a lot happening and she took the time out to talk to us. And she's just finished telling dirty jokes to a predominantly elderly crowd, jokes that made me blush, and I swear like a fucking trooper. But as she states at the start of her Bette Midler performance, if they can't take a joke, fuck them. <laughs> I went to uni with Kath, studied acting together, and she hasn't changed a bit, and God, I love her for that. Well, that's a lie. She, she actually has changed a bit. She's a she's a cabaret star now. She's, she's flawless and professional and fucking funny with a with a voice that, that switches from this bawdy humor to these big beautiful melodies that just just shake the roof off the theater i could not be more impressed with this girl and i was so inspired after this conversation so i really hope you guys are too so take it away kath alcorn go back to the start of Kathy's life. Okay. What was Kathy's? Is it Kathy? Catherine? Kath? God, it was Kathy and it was Catherine as a little girl. Kathy in high school because that was cool then. Um, and now uh, Kath to my friends, but Catherine professionally. Catherine so Kath, professionally. Yeah, Catherine professionally. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so what was Kath's childhood like then? A very happy one. Yeah, awesome. I don't have a sad story about oh, my childhood. Oh, Sorry. What a tragedy, Kath. <laughs> I mean, like fucking abusive father or something. Oh, no? The tragedy was that my mum wasn't a show mother, so I didn't get forced into the field earlier enough. Um, I was, I was really happy. In fact, I was such as I've been told that I was such a smiley baby that my father used to say to friends, "She's either very happy or very simple." <laughs> <laughs> I always, always loved music. Music yep. has been the main, the main through line for me in my life um and you playing all of, as well as singing um because you play instruments as well i do yeah, yeah i learned uh you know i went to oh god i did everything uh when i was a little girl uh piano which i stuck out for eight years you wouldn't know it now but i did um guitar in high school um, choir all the way through school. So that, oh, was, sing- that was your singing, singing training. Did you have individuals like personalized singing training or whatever you call it? Not until I did voice for the HSC. Okay. Um, at my high school in Sydney, Barker College, whatever instrument you chose for the HSC, if you were studying music, you had to have lessons in that mm. instrument. So voice was, was my instrument. So I started training when I was vocally when I was 16. Um, 
but yeah, as a two and a half year old, I knew all of the words to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, nice. And a two it, and a half. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, Mum, I used to, you know, sing along and. Yeah, I just love I just love it, you know. I love everything about it. Mum's a classic movie buff, so I grew up on all of the musicals, the MGM musicals, uh High Society, Wizard of Oz, um, you know, Carousel, Oklahoma, all of those. I just yeah, cool. I, I grew up, you know, glued to the TV having that dream. So, building so that, that was, dream. I was just gonna ask, what is, is that what you wanted to be? Like a, a musical theatre performer? In in the in the movies kind of thing, or I, I think it was the movies. I think I wanted to be in the movies. Yeah. In the um, musical movies, though, or just, um, just just that glam movie. I think idea. just in the movies in general, but the 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 musical element for me was always a plus. Mm. But my dream has shifted and shaped and changed and and developed. I think it does all the time, yeah. um, and I f- also think that your vision of success changes as well. Mm. Like your success, your success might be that you're on screen or that you're in Hollywood or that you're, you know, doing all of those things and have hit the big time. Or your level of success can be that you're touring a show that you have produced mm. and, you know, a- around the country. Hmm. So that's my level of, su- of success for now. Yeah. You know, I do have those bigger dreams. Um, but what I'm so. <laughs> I'd love to be on screen. I really want to. I yeah. want to do more acting. I would love to be on screen. But then also, you, you know, I want to be a rock star too. Yeah, cool. I want. You know, I'm getting back into my writing. I want to play those massive festivals. I think the correlation between because I act in songs that I'm performing anyway. Yeah, of course. So I get that. I get that fulfillment of of acting through singing a song, through performing a song. Um. But I want to do it all. I really do. Mm. And that's never – that has never changed. I've just got the I, – I, I just have this huge fire in my belly that never goes out. Yeah, that's cool. To just do it all. To do that, it yeah, all. Yeah. To do it all. And to not to not have to pick just one thing. Um, sorry, I don't think that's right. I think that at one point when I was living my plan B, when yeah. I was – you know, when I came back from overseas and I took a job as a teacher, a music teacher at a couple of primary schools, then I took a job as a personal assistant at Channel 9 for two years and I was working in film and TV production, that was my plan B and I was miserable. Mm. I was miserable. I was trying to make something of it. Yeah. I wasn't particularly good at it. I was always good with the people side of things. Yeah. Always good. You know, the administration side, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I left I, – I, I made the executive decision to take that leap. I saved up $3,000, asked a writer and director to put together this show for me. He did. I quit all of the jobs that I was doing. I was doing four jobs at one stage, I think, four creative jobs, TV. I was um, shooting live live bands and live music. I was a photographer at Blues and Roots Festival and Splendour in the Grass and all that sort of stuff just because I loved the vibe so yeah. much. Um, so I was doing these four jobs, exhausted, you know, but loving it. 
just to find out what I wanted to do. When all the while I was, I, I was not, I knew what I wanted to do. I was just kind of ignoring it because maybe I didn't think I could do it. Yeah, there's that courage to kind of take it on. There's, have you ever read The Artist's Way with Julie? By no, Julia Cameron? I have It's a really interesting thing, and she talks about this idea of shadow artists, where you, um, like, people take jobs in related fields. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. like, and I did the same thing. I went into arts administration and started yep. running theaters yep. and theater companies and stuff and hated it because I was putting other people on stage is what I kind of came around to. Yeah. But yeah, I went through the exact same journey and it yep. was that shadow artist thing where you don't commit to being the artist that you are or the like commit to your plan A, you kind of go... Oh, but I'm close enough, and a lot of people I'm just do that the, for I'm, their life. I, I'm, I'm mm. in the bubble, like I'm yeah. in the circle of it all, just yeah, not exactly. in the capacity I want to be in it. Yeah, and so like it takes a lot of courage to kind of go. Actually, now fuck that. I'm gonna go and do actually what it is. It's not made readily available to you, especially in Australia. Mm. Like you know, people, the reaction, even now. Take for example, my parents' friends at barbecues. You know, they still struggle to understand how. I live a life in the arts as a performer because, you know, they'll still ask me, even now, even though I've proved that I'm doing it, they will still say, but how, where do you get your weekly paycheck from? Like who pays you? And it's, I understand how difficult it is for them to fathom because they know nothing about it. Mm. They don't know anything about that lifestyle. Um, And it is difficult, Mm. especially, especially, you know, in Australia, you know, it's difficult for people to understand. And also, um, a career in the arts isn't always, you know, in the top five jobs, job options that you have when you're at school or something, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, the, you know, secretary, the hairdresser, all those sorts of things. Yeah. You don't see ballerina in there much or, you know. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, they don't exactly go, okay, you're going to go be an actor. Just go be an actor now. Yeah. Like yeah. From, from, yeah, like you can be an actor or a doctor and, you know, no, nah, not even a chance they kind of discourage you i remember my when i told my folks that i was going to be an actor i told my mum i was going to be an actor when i was 16 or something like that and i've been like i clearly wanted to for a long time like tell stories in some format is kind of what it was what i realize it is now and um i I said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go be an actor i'm gonna go and do this i'll go study and she's like oh you're not gonna be one of those faggots stood up and walked out and i went well i'm not gonna I'm not gay, <laughs> um, but if you mean an actor, yes, I am. Wow. And that, but that's exactly the generation that, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously I've probably got issues with t- dealing with that. Like as in, like if your folks go, you can't do this. So my dad said to me after uni, he's like, oh, now you've got it out of your system. What are you going to do? And I'm like, wow, fuck you. Totally. <laughs> I think it was like, yeah, a big fuck you. Well then, okay, just on that then, are your folks supportive? Like if you're, if their friends are going... Um, how do you make your paycheck and stuff? What do your folks say? They they get it now. Yeah. I mean, when I when I registered for uni after I finished the three year degree, they insisted that I do my dip ed in teaching, yeah. just in case, just as a backup. And I struggled with it. Mm. I struggled. I really did. Like I fought nail and tooth to get through that one year, because it's not what I wanted to do. I think it's a very rewarding, inspirational job. My mum's a teacher, so, you know, um, and she's a wonderful teacher. What does she teach? Uh, primary school. Oh, cool. And then she, and then she moved into ESL, so hmm. English as a second language teaching, and then um, special needs teaching, oh, cool. which is just a thankless hmm. job in itself. But it just wasn't For my you. path. And this whole safety net thing, 
Like, what are we being safe from? What are we what are we trying to protect ourselves from? Like, yes, we've got to pay rent. Yes, we've got to pay electricity. We've got to do all of those things. But, you know, if you're dedicated and, and passionate enough and you can find something that works for you, like this show has worked for me, then you've got to do it because mm. life is too short. Yeah, I agree. But it was the thing we were discussing the other day about, about oh, there's this Spanish president who takes like no salary or whatever and because he thinks it should all go back into communities and he did a video about you got to realize that when you're going to your job for 40 hours a week and then you go and buy something you're trading your life for whatever you're buying like it's your life you're going okay that's worth oh it's a thousand dollars so there's like 40 hours of my life or whatever the fuck it is oh god and you're and like yeah <laughs> when you put it like but, that yeah, but it, like it's so true it's like yeah. so why the fuck wouldn't you just go and do what you want yeah like why don't you just go and do try and make the world a better place that little bit like song by song or story by story whatever the fuck you're doing um as opposed to just, yeah, that safety net, I think, is the real thing that, that fucks people over. You kind of go... Well, it just restricts people. Yeah. It really restricts people from having their best life. Mm. And I find that really sad. And look, I'm not sitting here preaching or being didactic or anything about how people should live their lives. I just want people to be happy, mm. you know, and I want people to feel fulfilled. And, yeah, we've all got to do shit that we don't want to have to do, and that's... That's just life. But I couldn't go on any further without giving it a shot. Mm. I just couldn't. I was feeling that I didn't belong. I didn't belong where what I, you know, I didn't feel right with what I was doing. Was there, well, in the time then, like when you quit the, from those quitting those jobs and to sort of today, was there moments of, fuck, I don't even have enough money to get through to next week? Well, for, um, there was a lot of fear. Yeah. There was a lot of fear about, interestingly, there was a lot of fear about the future, not about the actual present. I mean, look, I was 27. I had just moved back from the UK. I'd moved back in with mum and dad, which I'm very fortunate for. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was... There was that, what if it doesn't work? And I suppose if it didn't work, it didn't work. At least I was giving it a shot. Mm. Did you see that as a failure coming back to live with the folks? I think anyone who moves back to the UK, from the UK to Sydney, thinks thinks that they've failed in some respect. You yeah. know, they've been thrust out into the big open world and they're going to they're gonna make it in Europe and blah, blah, blah. And, and then you move back to Sydney and you're like, oh. And I'm living with mum and dad. There it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, look, it, yes and no. I think uh, I, I turned 35 this year and, and I'm just loving my 30s because I feel like I'm getting it. I'm mm. getting things more. That perspective is there. That zero fuck giving attitude has really yeah. started to kick in. But also g- not giving a fuck about the things that really used to consume you as well. You know, that, oh, yeah, what are they going to think? And, and you know, all of those sorts of neuroses that mm. – 
you have, you know, you're just so much happier when they're not part of your daily. Did you have to, that's really interesting. Did you have to actively kind of deal with those neuroses or did did you find they just kind of started to fade away probably as you made more and more work and got more and more successful? It's, it probably, it's probably hand in hand. Yeah. I think, um, I, I have my life coaches for, for, you know, want of a wankier word, but, um, I have a kinesiologist in Sydney that I go and see. There was a time in my life where I was uh, seeing a psychiatrist and having that sort of, you know, weekly session, which was really nice. It was nice to go and sit in a room for a week and And just have a chat, yeah, Mm -hmm. and have it just be about you and, you know. But I found for me kinesiology is just such a better practice for me because it, you know, your mind is connected to your body, connected to your your organs and all of those sorts of things. So there's been a lot of stuff that I've had to work through over the years. Um, but I think with age, they do fade away. Mm. And I think as well, if you're just focusing, and this comes back to what we were talking about with social media before, if you just if you just focus on your life and your real life, if you mm. focus on your real life and don't compare yourselves to others, those neuroses do really tend to drift away. Mm. I read something the other day that really resonated with me and it said, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And Mm. it is. And I fear that not enough people are realising that because I've, you know, we all use social media for, for different things in our lives. I certainly use it for business. I use it for keeping up in touch with friends overseas, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I needed to take a break from it because it was giving me anxiety. Mm. The comparison to other people who were in my industry and what they're doing and, oh, God, they've got a tour and she's got gigs and blah, blah, blah and all this. Oh, they've just been cast in another show. I had to shut it down. Mm. I was the same, yeah, exactly. It starts to just – you just kind of leave Facebook with this pit in your stomach of just like – Fucking hell! Yeah, Where and, am it's, I? and it's and it's and hmm. it's not even your reality. Yeah, exactly. Like you're probably right. doing really great. Mm. It's just that you've gone into that spiral of comparison, which is just a total head fuck. Yeah, yeah, and just not good for you. So, yeah, I think if you if you're just focusing on your own self and and you know being the best that you can be, and you know, then all of those sorts of things just start to fade away. Thank God. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> Don't give a shit as much. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, know. I remember Ray at uni clearly saying to me in front of the rest of the class after we had done some screen work, Catherine, your smile eats the camera. <laughs> oh, fuck. I've never forgotten that. Oh, Jesus. And that shit sticks with you. Yeah, those little comments where you. Oh, and I don't know, I don't know where it's affected me or what it's done to me, but you know. The fact that I get to go out on stage every night and beam that smile yeah. out and that it makes everyone happy, I just think, well, fuck you. I yeah. Love those, I love those fuck you moments in people. Totally. Like, I know. That's, and that's it's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things, like about my kids, for example, about like I just, whatever they do, it's great. Yeah. Because they're not in the time to be critical yet. Like they need to develop an ego without like the kind of ego, but to develop a self-confidence is probably a better yeah. word than ego so that... You trust that what you're doing is okay. It might not be the best version of what you're doing right now, but just redraft and do mm. it again and again and again. Yep. But don't stop. Don't yeah. kind of go, oh, dude, you're doing the wrong thing there. Because then who's to say they just don't ever do it again? Yeah. Mm. Well, it comes back to your instinct. And I think that's mm. another really big thing that you need to listen to. Your instinct, your tummy tells you everything and mm. your instinct is there for a reason. And, you know, 
just don't listen to other people a lot of the time. You just do what you want to do. And trust yourself. Yeah. I'm so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. I'm so ugly, but that's okay because so are you. We broke our lips Sunday morning is every day for all I can. And I'm not scared. Light my candles in a daze Cause I found God Hey, hey, yeah Yeah, hey Yeah, hey, What kind of struggles did you face there, that kind of bit between UK and here? Well, f- you know, I was teaching in the UK, funnily enough, I was still singing... Um, with a couple of bands over there, but I was teaching and miserable and came back, moved back to Sydney, broke up with the boyfriend of like four years, new chapter, Um, moved back in with mum and dad, took uh, two teaching jobs at two local primary schools for a year and then was offered a job um, as a personal assistant to the head of sport Mm -hmm. at Channel 9 and for me, that was like, yes, I'm back in the industry. And retardedly thought that taking a personal assistant job would end up me being on camera. Especially if personal assistant to head of sport. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm a massive fan of the 12th man. So it was yeah. kind of it so was like kind of a dream a for step. me too. Yeah. Like it was super fun. Yeah. But you know, admittedly, I wasn't great at the job. I mean, my personality is the thing um, that kind of got me through it, I think. Um, and that's never a good feeling. Mm. Like if you feel that you're not you're not doing the right thing um, that you're being hired to do, that, that sucks. Mm. That sucks. And so I lost a lot of self-confidence working there. And then I was trying to transition out of sport um, into, you know, something like the the morning show or Carrie Ann or something like that. And so I started production assisting for those shows before I came into sport in the morning. So at one point I was um, meet I was the meet and greet assistant on uh, the Today Show and mm-hmm. Carrie Ann. So I would be up at 3 a.m. into the studio to uh, compile the weather for Carl yeah, and wow. Lisa Um from sort of 4am and then I would do the shift until they went off air at about 8.30 and then I would go down to sport and do 9 to 5. And in my mind, I thought that that doing that job would then transition me up to, you know, a different show or something like that, but that never eventuated. So that was the reality of it. I lost a lot of confidence and, um, and also I still had this really bad feeling that I wasn't singing. Mm. I still had that urge and I just, I didn't know how to make it happen. Mm. I didn't. And it wasn't until one night, you see, because I'd come from, I'd come from uni in Wagga where I was training acting. I was training, I was doing our class. Like you would remember in third year, I was hardly even there because I was doing so much work out of uni, yeah. you know. And, as a and singer and, yeah. As a singer and performer and all that and, sort yep. of stuff. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know, with, with Don Hillam and that crew and everything. And that's where I learned my craft. So... Um, cutting back to sort of 2000, circa 2008, 2009, I didn't know how to make that happen for me in Sydney, Mm, in the big smoke, you know. I didn't have an agent. I never got an agent straight out of uni anyway. So, you know, I never had that happen. So 
it wasn't they, they until... don't really do much for you anyway. Don't, don't <laughs> say about that. I know, I know, as I have learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't until one night I went and saw Chelsea Knight, who was a friend of mine, performer of mine in, in Wagga. I went and saw her show at this cabaret venue on Ox- Oxford Street called Slide and she was performing her show, um, The Fabulous Chandeliers, which was a four-piece cabaret. It was awesome. And that's kind of when I was introduced to cabaret and I saw this amazing show in this beautiful intimate venue of like 150. The audience were right there. The stage was right there and there was drinking and laughter and eating and people were just having fun and Peter Cox, the writer of The Fabulous Chandeliers and further down the track, The Divine Miss Bet, he was there that evening and I raced up to him and I said, Coxie, this is what I want to do. Mm. I want I want a show like this. And he said, well, who do, you, who do you want to do? And like a light bulb, I just said, Bette Midler. Mm. I'd always admired her. Yeah, that's it. Inspiration, it yeah. sort of just, it just came to me. Mm. And three weeks later I had a script and I was still at nine at that stage and, you know, but we ended up premiering the show in Wagga in 2009 for, for their Christmas show at the uh, golf club. And um, I quit Channel 9 at the end of that year and freelanced for 2010, did a variety of stuff uh, for the ABC and funnily funnily enough, my last TV production job was with Oprah when she came out for the the ultimate Australian adventure. And then I I opened... um, you know, so I was working. I was working in in production all of that year to support myself while I was building this show, and then we brought it up to Sydney in two thousand and ten, primarily for a showcase. Yeah. So I could invite agents along to come and see me, reintroduce myself to the or Sydney introduce industry. myself to the mm. Sydney market. No agent came for a year. They didn't come, mm. but the show kept on selling out mm. at Slide. So I kept doing it and doing it. And subsequently, I was offered the marketing manager position at Slide because I was marketing my show so well. They wanted a piece of that. Yeah, of course. Um, And I was really flattered and I think – and I did take the position because I felt like I'd found my people Mm. and I felt like I belonged and that's a feeling that I didn't have since uni. So I took the job – and I kept performing while I had the job, the marketing manager position at Slide, which, you know, we all have to, you know, we, we have bills. to we have to pay the bills. But again it was that whole, well, I'm 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 in I'm in the circle, I'm in the realm yeah. of what I want to do. And I was still performing. And then that quickly escalated to the creative director role, which then became full time. And two and a half years later, which was the end of twenty fourteen. I had identified that those scales had tipped again mm. in favour of plan B. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Rather than plan A. So I finished up at Slide and I made the non-negotiable promise to myself that I would only make money from performing in 2015. Which you succeeded. Which I did. Yeah, which is awesome. And that certainly didn't come without its stresses, Mm. you know, like the fact that you are sitting there thinking, where is my next paycheck coming from? 
And yeah, or you get one of those, like yeah, like get one of those big paychecks from a gig, and, and you just watch it dwindle. Oh, you're sure. Just kind of watching oh. it in the bank account, going, <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's I'm still okay. I'm still okay. That's it. And then yeah. you know, certain anxieties come from that. You know, it certainly hasn't. It's certainly not a rags to riches stories. You have to, you have to, you know, go with certain things that are presented to you, and you have to survive, and you have to make it work for you. But the performing ended up being the thing that became most important to me, yeah. and so you and make I never it stopped. For that. Yes, yeah. I never stopped working towards performing. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. Having that one thing that you identify that you do want to do and making it happen. Is paramount. Yeah. You kind of said, yeah, like before the non-negotiable, like that's that's like the clear kind of focus of this entire podcast, that fuck plan B. Yep. How difficult was it to make that decision? It became pretty clear. It became pretty clear at the end of 2014 that that's what I needed to do. For myself and also, you know, Slide was, Slide and I grew together and it got to a point where I don't think we could have done any more for each other. Mm-hmm. So it's identifying that you're ready to start that new chapter mm. and working through the fear of that. Like it it took a lot for me to leave there mm. because I had done the place and I had done so much with each other and for each other that, you know, I think the ego came into a little bit. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to give creative director to anyone else, you know. Mm. Like I was proud of that position. I was really proud of that position. However... Both jobs, slide and the present and the performing, were getting eighty percent yeah. from me, and that's not okay. Huh. So I wanted to focus on one thing and give it one hundred and fifty percent. You know, um, so yeah. So it's. I remember lying in bed at Christmas, twenty fourteen, and I only had two gigs booked mm. for the entire year, and I was lying there going, "What am I going to do?" Then what I got. Did you do? Well, then I got cast in a play in Brisbane. Oh, well, the, I put yeah. it – okay, I put it out there. I knew that a friend of mine was about to produce a play and it was in Brisbane and he said, we're only casting Brisbane actresses and I said, I really want to do it. Mm. I will come up there. I will live with you. Don't pay me any per diems. Don't do any of that. I just want to do it. Um, and I did hmm. and you know he gave me that and that was incredible because then there were return seasons later in the year um, but I also set to work I also really set to work on booking this tour that I'm now on so so I spent three good months working calling theatres introducing myself building up my database of theatre managers telling them about my show, booking it in, putting a tour together with my co-producer, Neil Gooding, who, who co-produces this show with me. So I really set to work on doing that. So just, yeah, doing the actual work. Doing the actual the work. Yeah. And, you know, my hats vary from day to day. I produce, do all of the back end. Then sometimes I've got to stop and go, oh, God, I've got to perform it tonight now too. Yeah. So I've got to take that hat off and then – you know, and do put the secret else, yeah. hat on. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. I love knowing both ends of the business. 
And yeah. subsequently out of that, I'm just about to launch my first production company. Oh, sweet. Which is amazing. Yeah, cool. Tenacious C presents. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Tenacious C. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how people describe me. Yeah. You know, I think within the week of choosing the name for the business, three people use that word to describe me. So, again, it presented itself to me. Yeah. And I just went, yep. That's cool. That's it. And so, will that be focusing on your work? Um, or what? It if was, something it, comes, you're happy to look at it kind of thing? Yeah, that's it. That's mm. it. So, at the moment, I've got um, a few other friends who have approached me and said, look, you know, your show's doing so well. You're doing all these tours, etc. Can you mention us in the same breath? And I said, absolutely. Um, I'll let you know that my priority is me. I'm, I'm focusing on doing that. But, you know, I was certainly love to help you get work as well i don't think there's anything more satisfying than than being able to help. give your peers work and help is mainly music stuff is that what you'll be doing or it's, you don't know um, yet? well we've got um we've got a play we've got a couple of cabarets we've got a kids show oh, cool. so yeah so there's a it's a you know i'm building a nice little stable and i'm taking it one step at a time because i really i don't want those scales to tip again mm. um but i'm really excited about this next venture yeah, cool. Yeah, Very and that's exciting. kind of just how it's how it's developed, hmm. you know, through the work that I've done. This is this has come up, and so I'm going to go with it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? That's awesome. That's cool. You're going to run the world, Kath. You're going to run, we'll the, run the world. world. <laughs> yeah, run the world. <laughs> advice would you have for young Kath? Young Kath. Like what would you say to young Kath right now? 18-year-old Kath just out of high school. You've done mm-hmm. HSC vocal. You're about to go. Did you go straight to uni? Yeah. Yeah. So you're about to go to uni to study acting. You've got your kind of dreams up there. What would you say to young Kath? Don't compare yourself to other people. Just because you didn't get cast in that play, just because you didn't get that whatever, it doesn't mean you don't have something awesome that you, you can do. It doesn't mean that your talent is any less. You've just got to find what you do the best. Don't wait for the phone to ring. You know, fi- make your own work, Put some- produce something, put something on yourself. Get out there and just do it mm. because then at least you're working. Yeah, exactly. And at least... Keeping the skills up and... And, and, and you're working on your worth as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you will feel good from mm. doing that. Mm. That's something, yeah, like, like that's the one thing I'm kind of happy with my career that I've done that the entire time, apart from when I fell into my plan B, which I hated myself because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any of that. Like I wasn't actually making any work and I wasn't like, and I even found myself falling into it last year as a full-time actor again, waiting for the next job and getting down about waiting for the next job. And then I'm fuck like, waiting. Fuck? yeah, like, Make yeah. So like, yeah, like you kind of just go, oh, fuck it. I'll just go and do something then, which is really interesting. You, you kind of, and you probably experience this as well, where you go, okay, fine. I'll go and, all right, fuck it. No, I'm going to do my own shit again. And then all of a sudden people start knocking on your door going, oh, can you come and do this though as well? Can you come and do this though as well? And it's almost like you kind of put it out to the universe that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it anyway. So the universe goes, oh, okay, well, here's some other things to do because that sounds like what you want. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's it. So it's, but it's really that trick of doing stuff as hard as that is sometimes. It's also about communicating as well. Like, you know, you have to, 
you have to talk to people and you have to let people know what you're doing yeah. because people aren't mind readers and if they don't know you won't be a consideration in their mind for yeah. the next time something comes up yeah, so exactly. you know if you know what is someone uh, someone call it the bird call you just got to do your bird call like which is this is what i do and you get it out there so everyone knows Come that on, or as many people yeah, this is as many people know that that's what you do. They go, oh yeah, I could probably get him because otherwise yeah. you're an actor sitting or a performer sitting on the couch waiting for the phone to ring, and no one even thinks about you because they don't even know about well, you. Well, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. It's yeah, exactly, that old, and it's so it true does. in the entertainment industry. Like you're kind of like, yeah, it's only good as your last gig. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so what what we do is finish off with a fuck it list. Okay. So did I tell you this in the email? Yes. Yeah, cool. So the fuck it list is really easy. I didn't give you the. So we just fucked up the battery then, and so we've missed the the awesome terrible answer to this question. So she gets another awful go. or awesome. I'm the not awesome. sure. So we'll do it again. Fuck it. I'm going to pack up and move to Luca in Italy, my Luke? favorite oh, wow. town, my favorite town ever. Um, I we stopped there. We happened upon Luca one day uh, when we were traveling in between uh, Florence and Pisa, and it just had this little tiny write up. Uh, in the Lonely Planet and we stopped and we got off the train. The trains in Italy are awesome, by the way, like old, real old school trains. They're beautiful. We got off the train and admittedly it looked like we were in Goulburn, so I was um, so disappointed. But we ended up walking through the city gates because you see Luca is, uh, it's surrounded by circular gates uh, and it's one of the only towns in Europe where where their circular sort of perimeter wasn't wasn't bombed in the war. So oh, it's wow. amazing. So it's essentially like a really thick um, uh, brick wall that's in a circle, and it's got a walking like you can walk around, you know, the top of the city. Anyway, we walked in through these gates, and it was just the most magical little Italian town. We arrived, and everyone was sort of having their afternoon siesta. Then we got up at 8 o'clock, walked into town, and the fairy lights were on. It was bustling, and people were having coffees and late-night shopping, and it was just divine. Divine. So, Luca. Luca. What would you do there? Would you still perform, or would you just retire? I would eat, eat, drink, drink. and be merry. And just sing for the locals on yeah. the street. Yeah, that's awesome. it. awesome. I like it. I'm going to go visit Luca now. Uh, fuck it. I just want to... Sing. Yeah? I just want to sing. Though. I know. You just want to do it all the time. I just want to do it all the time. <laughs> that's cool. And that's what you do for a living. See, people... Do people hate you then? Like, Do people kind of go, I want to fucking sing. I fucking hate you. <laughs> you know? Maybe they do for other reasons, oh, maybe, but yeah. I'm not sure. Hope not. I hope not. Um... Which one do we just... Uh, fuck it, I'm going to... Be better. Be better. Yeah. Be better than what? Be be better at my craft. Be better than you were yesterday. That yes. kind of thing. Be better than I was this morning. Be better than... Which is and pretty good, by the way, oh, for a 10.30 show. It was pretty fucking awesome. Fuck it, I'm, I'm going to be better. You. A fuck better person, a better singer. It's good. Yeah, always... Yeah. Progress, not perfection. I like it. Uh, fuck it, I actually don't like... Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> That's fucking obvious. Everyone, everyone doesn't um, like Donald Trump, but yes. Um, no, let me do that again. Fuck it. I actually don't like. Oh, I don't know. What's, what's something oh, in your life no. that you have to do that you don't like doing? Fuck it. I don't like brushing my teeth. <laughs> it's like the one thing it's you like have sure. to do 
every day and fuck it, I don't like it. It's a really simple, <laughs> simple, simple question there. Um, and finally, fuck it, I love. Fuck it, I love people. Yeah? I love people. I just, I love people watching. I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories. I think the world is full of amazing people, despite what the news tells us every night. Sweet, wonderful you. You make me happy with the things you do. Thank you very much, Miss Catherine Alcorn. Ta-da. I love that that the flair. <laughs> I don't want to call that thing, but great. Um, so thank you very much. Did you want to say anything else? What's no, your website this in case people need to know? CatherineAlcorn.com. CatherineAlcorn.com. Check her out when she's hitting your town next, or Tenacious E is ruling the world. Or both. Or both. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Thanks. It would be different than you know. Catherine Alcorn, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, she's talented, inspiring, very inspiring. Works her ass off just to make her play an A a success. And she's just going to get bigger and bigger and better and better. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is inspiring, but I, I, to be honest with you, it's also kind of intimidating. That's probably not the right word. I look at how hard she works and how far she's come and go, do, am I working that hard? Am I doing enough to make my plan A a success? You know, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I actually don't know. All I know is that listening to someone like Kath makes me want to do more. So what? Fuck it. I want to go and do some more. Music you've been listening to throughout this podcast today is Catherine's music from her album, A Real Character. You can purchase the album through her website. I'll post some links on the Horse.media website for you. Also, I want to say this is pretty much my first interview that isn't family. This is pretty much my first interview, so I don't know. I don't reckon I did too bad, but I'm going to get better. Like Kath, all I want to do is be better than I was yesterday. Okay, hope that's been inspiring for you guys. Keep saying fuck plan B. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>